This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Christensen. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you pick up some uh, clinical pearls that you can apply to your practice as you uh, grow and evolve in your medication education, wherever you're at at this point. Uh, so with that, you can track me down, reallifepharmacology.com. Also go take advantage of that free PDF, uh, 31-page PDF with uh, the top 200 drugs and um, important clinical pearls that I've pulled out for each of those drugs. A uh, very unique resource uh, for any healthcare uh, provider. Uh, you can also track me down on LinkedIn if you'd like to, to connect with me there. Uh, feel free to, to do that as well. So let's get into it today. Uh, methylphenidate is the medication of choice that I'm going to cover. And uh, there are lots of different formulations of methylphenidate. There's extended release, immediate release, transdermal. Uh, I'm not going to break those down a ton in this uh, podcast, but definitely uh, be aware that we can uh, utilize different formulations for uh, different purposes based upon uh, patient characteristic and factors. Uh, with methylphenidate, the primary use that I see uh, this drug used for in clinical practice is its stimulant-type effects in the management of ADHD. Uh, rarely, I think I have seen it for uh, narcolepsy. Uh, I have seen it used uh, off-label in um, depression as well. Uh, so a few other uses that you may stumble into. Uh, I also uh, have seen it used in geriatric patients uh, to help stimulate energy, which I uh, generally cringe when I, I see that in most uh, cases there. So um, very, very important uh, drug to be careful with because we do have a good potential uh, for adverse effects as well. So you always want to make sure the benefits of the drug uh, outweigh those potential risks. So from a mechanism of action standpoint, uh, methylphenidate inhibits the reuptake of dopamine and norepinephrine in the brain. Now the net effect of that is it essentially leads to more dopamine and more epinephrine uh, action in the brain. And those are, uh, in a good sense, in a large sense, um, stimulatory type neurotransmitters in general. That's why it's classified as a, a CNS stimulant there. Uh, there is a boxed warning with the use of methylphenidate. Uh, this drug is a controlled substance. It absolutely can lead uh, to the risk of addiction and dependence, uh, as well as development of uh, tolerance and withdrawal symptoms when that that drug is uh, abruptly discontinued or uh, reduced in a, in a very, very quick fashion there. 
Uh, other concerns regarding adverse effect profile, uh, insomnia, and anxiety. Um, these drugs, again, they, they can stimulate patients, so that's definitely an anticipated uh, potential adverse effect. Uh, being a stimulant, they can also contribute to uh, weight loss. So definitely, uh, that's an important monitoring parameter to think about, especially in uh, pediatrics, where we're uh, concerned uh, about proper growth and development. Uh, these stimulants can potentially uh, stunt or inhibit that if they're uh, suppressing appetite and, and causing weight loss. Also, you think about, or I think about norepinephrine uh, specifically, uh, blood pressure changes, so increasing that blood pressure. Also potential for uh, cardiac alterations, increasing the heart rate. So both important things to uh, consider uh, and monitor in our patients for sure. So if you remember in general, I think, uh, at least the way I remember them is, uh, you know, these stimulant type drugs, they, they really amp people up. So the anxiety, the weight loss, the heart rate, blood pressure, all these things um, can be problematic uh, due to those stimulant type effects. Uh, one last one I, I did want to mention, uh, pretty rare that you're, you're probably going to run into uh, a patient that we're looking to use methylphenidate in. Uh, but if you've got a patient with uh, seizure disorder, uh, there is potential uh, associations with it increasing the risk of inducing a, a seizure there. So uh, one last important thing there to, to look out for that I wanted to mention. Uh, pharmacokinetics. Uh, I have seen this uh, come into play definitely in clinical practice. If we think about using these medications... Uh, in a uh, child, adolescent with ADHD, we've got to recognize that these patients are going to have uh, challenges with their schedule potentially and when should they take that dose and when's the appropriate time to take that dose. With that said, um, we need to think about the kinetics and we need to think about the half-life of these drugs. And I've come across a situation where uh, I had a younger uh, child that was struggling with insomnia at night. And they were taking uh, twice daily dosing of their methylphenidate. Well, it turned out they were taking longer acting methylphenidate later in the day. As you can imagine, uh, that would definitely lead to lingering concentrations kind of later on in the day. And that stimulant type effect caused a significant amount of insomnia. So we can get away with this by potentially using different formulations, making sure that timing is uh, done early enough in the day. And uh, those are, are two big ways that, that we can potentially avoid uh, that situation in a patient who's obviously benefiting from the, the methylphenidate uh, in their management of their uh, disease state. So let's take a quick break, and then I'm going to wrap up on drug interactions. Speaking of drug interactions, I am going to be creating a book 
which will be out uh, very soon if it's not out already by the time you listen to this podcast. So all the clinical resources I've got, definitely go support our sponsor, meded101.com slash store. Uh, we've got everything from pharmacists, board certification, study materials, uh, to you know, clinical books, clinical reasoning type series uh, for clinicians and nurses and any other um, healthcare professional that has to uh, help patients navigate and manage uh, medications. So definitely go support the sponsor, uh, support this podcast by doing so. Uh, go check out uh, free and, and paid resources there at meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. So finishing up here on drug interactions, I think the, the first thing to note or the easy thing to kind of note with methylphenidate and some of these stimulants uh, is the effects uh, that they can have due to their adverse effect profile. So if we're you know managing a, a patient for hypertension, we can recognize that methylphenidate can exacerbate hypertension. It can raise that blood pressure. Same thing with something like atrial fibrillation. Again, probably not incredibly common in a pediatric patient, um, but if we are using this uh, in a patient as they get older, uh, could potentially increase that heart rate and increase uh, issues uh, in that respect. Another one I wanted to mention, uh, bupropion uh, can raise the, the risk of seizures. Uh, so in combination with methylphenidate, we can kind of have a little bit of an additive uh, type effect there. Uh, MAOIs, which in clinical practice, it's pretty rare that you'll see these medications used. However, uh, because of their potential... Uh, to uh, create a hypertensive type reaction in combination with a stimulant that can raise blood pressure as well uh, is uh, contraindicated to use these uh, medications together there. Uh, there is a, a minor potential for uh, methylphenidate and some stimulants to have a serotonergic type effects. Now, in the grand scheme of things, I don't consider this a, a very strong effect or a very big concern typically. But if you were to have a patient on a very high dose SSRI or other medication uh, that can increase serotonergic activity, it's definitely something you should at least think about, monitor, uh, and uh, recognize um, patients who may be displaying signs and symptoms of something like serotonin syndrome. So I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you picked up a, a few pearls listening today. Uh, if you enjoy the show, leave a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Uh, greatly appreciative of that there. Uh, again, go check out that free resource at reallifepharmacology.com. Uh, you'll get that simply for subscribing and following when we've got a, a new podcast episode available or uh, other things new and uh, up and coming there. So go take the time to uh, leave that rating review if you haven't done so. Uh, greatly appreciate that. And I'm going to sign off for today. Thanks so much. Take care. Have a great rest of your day. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.